0: Brought to you by JMR Rentals, professional digital cinema and broadcast equipment rentals in Brooklyn, New York. jmrny.com And now get 15% off your first rental when you use the promo code WEEKEND. Call 347-721-3400 or email info at jmrny.com for details. Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend, where we go behind the scenes and talk to the creators of independent entertainment. I'm Jason Godby, and joining me via Zoom today, she is a development executive coming from the world of animation. She has worked on shows like Teen Titans Go! and Unikitty. Miss Rebecca Himmett. Welcome, Rebecca.
1: Thanks for having me. It's nice to meet you.
0: It's nice to meet you, too. Uh, You're uh, another uh, guest from the left coast uh, all the way out in Hollyweird. Uh, so it's, it's nice to, to have you via zoom here because you can't obviously be in Brooklyn. (laughs) So I want to talk to you about, uh, all kinds of development stuff and kind of how that works, uh, and how it works at a network when you've got a show running. And, but first I want to talk to you about you. Uh, how did you, uh, get into this mess? How did you get into the whole show business thing? And And uh, what is your origin story?
1: First of all, I love that you call it an origin story. Huge comic book nerd. That really appeals to me. By accident is the answer. My whole family had been entertainment industry. My dad was an audio engineer. My mom ran a recording studio. My My granddad was an actor. Grandma was in PR. Like it wasn't really a question of what do you want to do when you grow up? It was more like, what do you want to do in the entertainment industry when you grow up? And I have serious middle child syndrome. So my answer was I'm going to be a doctor. Um, So, so I was pursuing um, a pre-med course and uh, turns out chemistry is really important. Uh, So that didn't work for me (laughs) because I'm terrible at it. Um, so while I was in college, I declared a writing major, specifically planning to write novels. Um, I met with my student advisor, my faculty advisor, who told me that, um, prose is for people who are too stupid to write poetry. Um, so I basically just kind of powered through there, kept my head down and didn't know what to do with myself. So when I came back to LA, it was like, I I need a job so because it's not cheap to live here and so i was picking up small stuff i did makeup for a while and i thought okay look i am a perpetual child um what can i do that actually appeals to me that sounds fun and so i tell everybody all i wanted to do was play with dinosaurs and robots so i went to work for stan winston because if you want to work with dinosaurs and robots you got to go to the guy who pioneers them so that was wonderful it was you know people tell you never to meet your heroes but stan was everything you want your hero to be he was the kindest most wonderful person i have ever had the privilege to work with um but practical i was at the studio during like the two thousand sort of rise of cg um i think you 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 may have seen like the documentary on things that were happening at Rhythm and Hughes and that's how like the industry was just undercutting itself. So two thirds of the studio were laid off at once. <laughs> and I, you know, for the second time had to figure out, okay, what else do I want to do with my life? That took a while. I tried on a lot of things, worked in retail, worked in education. I worked at Pizza Hut like I did. I did a little of everything because I was determined to stay out of the entertainment industry. And it turns out that when your local industry is entertainment, that's kind of where most of the jobs are. If I lived someplace where it was coal, I'd probably be working in coal mining. (laughs) So an opportunity came up to work at an independent animation uh, production company. And it sounded great. And I was technically the assistant to the president, but everybody kind of did development work there. So I got to get my feet wet doing a little bit of development and I moved on to Cartoon Network. Um, (laughs) There was an ad in the trades. And I was like, well, this never works. The only way anybody ever gets a job in entertainment is if somebody passes on your resume and recommends you. But what can it hurt? And I ended up actually getting hired. So it was, uh, it's all been luck the whole way down. Um, And I do, I do believe that we make our own luck. You have to kind of point yourself at the right things, but I sort of stumbled into a dream job, which I couldn't have been happier.
0: You were at Cartoon Network for a long time. You worked on a lot of shows there. You know, without giving away any trade secrets, because I know that some of these things that you worked on, maybe there were things that you worked on when you left that were still in development that you can't talk about. We always have people with stuff that they can't talk about on this show. Can you kind of describe the process? Like, explain to me, like I'm a six-year-old, like how a bill becomes a law. Like, how does something become a show at Cartoon Network?
1: Um, so... Somebody brings in their pitch, and if we like it, we option it and it goes through the development period. Uh, Depending on the year and who's in charge and where we are on the Chinese Zodiac, like the end goal of development changes. It's ultimately different for every show, but for the most part, what you're working toward is a series pitch to network. So you want to show proof of concept, basically, that this can actually stand on its own as a series. So for some shows, that's making a short. For some shows, that's having like one really clean boarded action sequence. It's It, it really changes to fit whatever the show is in particular. And it's about creating the materials to help the people with the money understand what the show is and decide whether or not they want to gamble on it. And then if you get a green light, you move over to the current series team. And we we did some overlap so that development and current were working together during that first season to help ease the creative team through the transition. But um, I don't know if that's how everybody does it. Um, And, you know, you you put out that first season and you cross your fingers. In animation, it's kind of, sometimes the decisions about season two have to be made before anybody has even heard of season one because of how long that pipeline is. So there's a lot of crossing your fingers and and hoping. Um, And sometimes you luck out and sometimes, I mean, there are there are good examples of a number of shows that have gone through Cartoon Network where they made a short, they weren't sure, they canceled, not canceled, but they wrapped production, they let the teams go on to other projects, and then the short hit the internet and people flipped out, and then they had to try and get everybody back to try and make a series out of it. So, and it's happened a few times like that.
0: I'm sure that if you had... Um... If it was live action, the process would be very different. But because like a proof of concept in animation, like you said, it could take a while and sometimes it's boards, whereas, you know, if it's live action, you probably just go shoot a scene or, you know, with the people you want to cast or something. You know, once they say, okay, this, we want to pick this up. And you said you kind of stay with it a little bit, but like, what's your relationship specifically with the creators? Are you kind of shepherding them along Are you the buffer between, you know, the execs, the other execs, and and the the non-creative marketing people? Like, how does it work in that way?
1: Um, Yes, to all of that. So the development executive and the current series executive, sort of, they serve as the conduit. They are there to help communicate the creative's needs to the business functions, and the business function needs back to creative. So... A lot of people kind of confuse our job with being the producer, which is very, very different. Um, We are mostly there to make sure that our creative team can tell the story that they're trying to tell as efficiently and true to concept, you know, to really stick with what they intend for that to say. and sort of shield it and protect it from outside forces.
0: <laughs> yeah, obviously at this stage in your career, you probably heard a, a ton of pitches. Recently we've been involved in pitching and trying to get into doors to pitch and so forth. And I know that there's probably a lot of people who listen to this, who are like, how do I pitch things and what? So what do you guys kind of look for in a deck? I've asked this for a couple of different people. I'm sure the more people I ask, the, more different answers I'm going to get for this question. Sure. What were the things that stood out to you that you were like, gave you that feeling like, you know what, I can sell this upstairs or I can champion this show kind of thing.
1: Animation has sort of particular needs, right? And particular presentations. And sometimes you have people bringing in a pitch that, you know, they're a board artist and maybe writing isn't their strong suit, but the art is everything. And sometimes you have people who are writers, who can't even draw stick figures, or at least say they can't. So those kinds of pitches are completely different, right? So we're evaluating them for different things. But if I'm looking at a writer's pitch, I don't care about art at all because that's what the development period is gonna be for. It's gonna be to develop that visual language so i'm looking for a story that i don't want to put down i'm looking for you know we tell people that like figure someone's only going to get 10 minutes to read your packet so i advise people to keep them as short and concise as possible there's uh, a common kind of pitfall to try and put absolutely everything about everything into a pitch deck. It's, it's similar to pilotitis. Uh, in either case, it's not necessary. You want us to want more. You want us to have questions. You want us to be interested enough to find out more about these characters or this world, right? So I, in either case, look for a basic series synopsis. I look for, a description that tells me who our main characters are and what we're supposed to care about when it comes to them, what world they live in, and what kind of adventures we're gonna see them get up to, right? Because sometimes it's serialized and we're looking at an entire season arc. Sometimes it's an episodic show and you're giving me examples of like what happens week to week, but in either event, the most important thing to me is what is going to happen with this show like maybe it, i'm trying to think of how to do this without giving specific examples but if you're going to do a boy and his dog show okay are they detectives are they running a restaurant whatever like that's the top line thing that i need and then after that i want to hear how those episode kind of how those episodes would play out. But if that initial like a boy and his dog running a restaurant doesn't grab me, then it doesn't grab me. So and I I I think that it's important for creatives coming in to understand that every story has been done. Everything has been done. So what makes it special and what makes it interesting is the creative right? So using, again, Boy and His Dog as an example, Adventure Time is a great show about a boy and his dog. So is How to Train Your Dragon. And they're completely different shows. So what, what separates them is the individual's take on this very common idea. And common ideas are great. it They're easily identifiable. It makes people more comfortable and to makes them feel like they can relate to the material. And it's what that individual brings to it that is going to make it stand out.
0: Uh, I've had this conversation with a few different people. One of the things that I've said to different, you know, in in asking is like, you know, I keep hearing a lot of the same stuff. Like it needs to be a known IP. It needs to be something people have heard of. It has to be a sequel or remake or something like that, that, Maybe that's more on the movie side. I mean, you worked on Teen Titans Go. Obviously, that was a right. known property. Right. But You also worked on stuff that was not a known property. Yes. Um, where you don't have all of that, you know, to, you don't have a fan base or anything. Other people have told me, you know, you've got to come in with an audience. Like, you've got to have a big social media presence and you've got to, you know, come in and say, hey, I've got 5,000 people on Instagram who are already digging this thing. Does that make any difference to you? Does that uh, is that the stuff that you kind of look for or is it just more story and, you know, kind of the essential what's in the show?
1: So this is entirely my personal take, my personal opinion. This does not reflect the interests, values or thought process of any other, you know, facility. But um I don't care about any of that. I think if somebody needs to bring me their crutch, to show me why they deserve a chance, then they're not putting the energy into making the story good. Um, I want to see somebody who is so passionate about telling me this story that only they can tell it. Um, You know, at at Cartoon Network, we had a lot of first time creators, um, people who had like worked on other shows a lot of the time done boarding for somebody else or designs for somebody else or writing for somebody else. But when it's their you know time to pitch, this is their first time being the one in charge. And so often, you know, they're bringing us things that are so deeply personal. And that's what we gamble on. That's that's what I like to gamble on, because that's how you get better representation. That's how you get better uh, diversity, better inclusion. It's how you get better stories because they're honest and they come from the heart, right? So some there have been times when somebody brings in a packet where I'm like, I love these characters. I love them. I have no interest in what you have them doing. Is there another kind of way to use these personalities? Or this is a really cool world. They're not using it. They're not interacting with it. Can you come back? you know but if somebody comes to me and they're just like look i have a bazillion followers on insta and it would just be dumb for you to not consider me. i i've already checked out like <laughs> i'm just not listening um and it, it's the when it comes to using an existing ip unless you already have the permission to do that that's that's its own mess like Yes, sometimes people, you know, obviously being attached to Warner Brothers, there was a lot of adaptation of existing Warner Brothers properties. But if somebody comes in saying, hey, I've got this really great take on book that does not belong to your company, then we have to ask, like, have you looked into getting the rights to adapt this? Are you expecting us to do it? You know, it's it's, Another layer of complication if it's not already there. Granted, sometimes people come in and they're like, hey, here's the author. I am the person they have chosen to adapt it. That's a different thing. But even then, if it's not interesting, if it's not compelling, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I just don't care. I'm sorry.
0: No, I, I think that's um, I think that's really honest. And I and I I kind of wish more people would say that stuff because you do like I I was talking to somebody about this thing that we're working on that we've had in film festivals and he's like you know you should really consider building an audience you should really consider getting sound on social media and I was just like oh man shoot me I just I building an audience sounds like it's like you know what just climb Everest you know just like you know, beat LeBron in one a game of one-on-one. It's easy, you know? <laughs> like, it just didn't make any sense to me. I
1: understand the push for it. Like, you know, people want to point to things like Supernatural or, you know, shows that were on the brink of extinction and then the fandom was what brought it back. And, you know, having the people behind you. I look at it as another layer of, you know, people we have to get through right? You have to please the network. You have to please the marketing department. You have to please your advertisers. And now you have to please the fandom as well. And it's when you rather have a clean slate and introduce people to this thing that they've never seen before or let them get to know this new thing this new person this new art style this new whatever that they've never seen before that just sounds more appealing to me personally but that could be why i'm unemployed
0: i get that too because you know for for my own personal angle it's like you know uh, building an audience is great when you have millions of dollars in marketing money You know, and when you have a network behind you who can buy commercial spots and give you a social media manager, but doing it on your own is really hard. And it's not that it's impossible, but it's really difficult. And I don't know. And maybe, like you said, it might even hurt you. You know, like if you're a YouTuber, I don't know if networks look kindly on that. Like They go, oh, that's a YouTube show or it's like it's a YouTube guy or it's, you know, it's a. It's an Instagram influencer. These people are not television people. You know, um, I don't know if that exists, too.
1: I So I look at people who have succeeded in keeping their personal lives private as champions. Like, nobody knows what Dolly Parton's husband looks like. Nobody's ever seen him because she doesn't put on Dolly Parton before she goes out in public with him, right? Or people who are mega million dollar star actors, producers, directors, whatever, who don't have to worry about taking their kids to school because nobody's going to try to mow them down with a camera crew. Like, I think the more people establish boundaries for things like that, the easier they'll be to respect, The or rather, the easier it'll be to get the respect for that. You know, I, I look back at you know, when when my grandma first started in this business, um, people could get Marilyn Monroe's home address. They could get Clark Gable's home address and just show up. And when we're talking about what you were saying, like building an audience, people get very, when they're connected to the material, they can become very possessive of it. It becomes very personal to them. Uh, and I, I feel like there needs to be space between the creative item and the creative person. So I hope more people will <laughs> try to keep some of their private life private.
0: Well, that's a whole other show. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. um, we, we could do uh, an hour on that alone uh, just because it and I've talked to like actresses and stuff about that who, you know, like have to like, they're getting hired because they have, following on Instagram. or Nothing to do with their acting. Uh, It's just, you know, they're bringing an audience. And, um, you know, as a creative person who's worked many hours on their craft, it makes you want to shoot yourself in the head. But, you know, it's the type of thing where, okay, I'll deal with the reality in that relationship. So, you know, I mean, whether it's got an audience or or not, have you been, and you don't have to get specific, because I know that probably get in trouble. Have you, and I'm going to wrap up shortly too, but Have you had instances where you've had to fight for something?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: How do you do that without, like, kind of... uh, You must be a wonderful diplomat.
1: (laughs) So, first of all, it depends on what the thing is. You know, I've been working in children's media, which means we are subject to some slightly different laws than primetime, right? So, if something is getting flagged for a violation of a law with which we must comply, then I'm gonna be having that fight with the creative defending the network. And if it's something where our creative feels very strongly about telling a certain kind of story and fears from whatever, you know, marketing saying that they don't know how they're gonna sell that or Programming saying they don't know where they're going to put that on during the day, whatever. But that's the story that the person wants to tell. Then I'm going to fight tooth and nail to make sure that they get to tell that story. And sometimes that means taking apart what the issue is. Is it a personal taste thing? Is it, you know, linked to specific cases of something similar being difficult to overcome? Like, I personally, I really love taking things apart. Um, I'm that kid. I I took apart every electronic that I had as a child and tried to put it back together, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. But I want to know exactly what the actual problem is, because a good percentage of the time, it's personal taste. And I don't accept that as a reason. I just don't.
0: We could probably go for like an hour just on on that subject, just like talking war stories. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to wrap up soon. So um, I know that you've you've done uh, a bit on Clubhouse, yes. Uh, and I know that you're on uh, LinkedIn and so forth. Where would people be able to contact you or or get hold of you uh, if they were uh, to find you on the web?
1: I don't have anything personally to like promote or put out there, but I am always trying to help people that are trying to break in. To animation, so if there's, you know, I'm available on LinkedIn. Um, I people can find me with the, the Women in Animation database. If someone has questions that they need answered, I I'm happy to help if it's something I'm capable of helping with.
0: <laughs> Are you just uh, Rebecca Himmitt on uh, on Clubhouse? Yes. Okay. Very cool. And so LinkedIn. We'll look, we'll look for you there. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh. I appreciate it. We'll have to have you back. Um, when uh, when you land somewhere and we'll talk more okay. about whatever that uh, brings to it but uh, thank you so much it's been enlightening and thank you all out there for taking this trip down the rabbit hole for more of our content including our movie reviews visit our website norestfortheweekendpodcast.com don't forget to like, rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast app and now you can find us on YouTube youtube.com slash getbehindtherabbit once again I'd like to thank my guest Rebecca Himmett and our sponsor JMR Rentals For Behind the Rabbit Productions, I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.